fucking deep. I like it. These guys are jerks. Fucking deep. Bless you, boys. Young men expressing themselves. Unbelievable. Fucking deep. Put it in deep. The puck comes to Dreisaitl, and now he's got the Texas hat trick. What a night for number 29. Four goals for Leon Dreisaitl. Put it in deep. You know, getting pucks deep, putting the puck deep. Put pucks in deep. He's chipping pucks, he's getting pucks deep. Just put the puck deep. Getting pucks out, getting pucks deep. Get pucks deep, pucks in deep. Puck deep, pucks deep. Keep getting pucks deep. All right, welcome back, everybody. Pucks in Deep podcast. Josh Coleman, Adam Lesko. What's going on, Lesko? Snowing again. This lousy smarch weather, as Homer Simpson once said. Smarch? Smarch. I like that. And um, fake spring. It was seven degrees yesterday. They're the biggest snowflakes I've ever fucking seen. It's like a whiteout out there right now. On my way driving out here, just all of a sudden couldn't see shit. Yeah, it's funny. I said we didn't get 50 centimeters, what, a week ago? Yeah. Oh, my God. I know. Good news about that snowstorm, though. Our numbers jumped. Yeah? I mean, I wouldn't say significantly, but people were caught indoors. They were snowed in. They were shoveling. They were snow blowing. They were doing other sorts of snow-related activities because that was basically all you could do for two days. Pretty much. A lot of shoveling. Uh, All right, well. Let's get right to it, my man. We got a lot of shit to get to here on episode 58 of the Pucks in Deep podcast. That's right. Welcome back, everybody. 58 episodes deep and not slowing down whatsoever. In fact, let's go going full throttle and speeding up and selling merch like crazy right now. We got orders coming in left and right. We got an email notification set up with Sean at Gallant Media. And again, I mean, I don't think it's going to be possible for us to thank Gallant Media enough. Let's go for, you know, what uh, what Sean and his company have been able to provide for us. And from what I understand, he's just kind of like a one man show. So I'm going to be busy. I hope I didn't throw him <laughs> under the bus when uh, I, I shared the website. I didn't really share the website with the intention that the people I shared it with were going to order. What do you expect? I, I didn't, I didn't even it's say commodities it, we're talking about. I here. guess so. But I, I just meant to like show them what we had. Look and how cool this is. Yeah. Look how cool this is. Look how sick this gray hoodie is. Well, apparently everyone knows it. We sold fucking four of them already. Right on. Not bad considering we just launched. So uh, if you are interested in ordering right now, we've got a couple uh, different colors of hoodies and t-shirts available with the Pucks and Deep logo. Uh, we got mugs on there as well. So you can go to gallantmedia.ca slash shop. Uh, G-A-L-L-A-N-T media.ca slash shop. Check out what we got. Uh, if you like the show, if you want to support us, and if you want to look good doing it, this is your chance. Yeah, I think those are two good points you said. Number one, look good because it does look good. And I will always give you the most credit possible on that. You're the one that created the logo. Yeah, we collaborated on what we thought it should look like, but you were the one that designed it created it it's so good man and, and sean I, refined it though he refined yeah. it, a couple tweaks oh but, yeah. for sure some color differences and some movement of certain text on on it and whatnot but yes it was a collaboration but at looks the end of beautiful. the day it looks very very pro is what i want to say it looks legit it looks professional uh i'm really pumped up about it 
and I'm proud of it. I think that's the most important thing. And and the other thing that you said too, Lesko, is support the show. So you know we kind of we kind of put our foot in our mouths a little bit last episode or two episodes ago, whatever it was, where we said, yeah, we'll sell these things for 15 bucks. Well, guess what? You're losing 50 cents every mug. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I mean we're we're not really in it to make. You're jumping the gun like this guy was so horny about selling this shit. You're <laughs> hawking it. It's like not even set up. And but hey, I mean it's all set up now. We do have a web store. Uh, there's going to be more merch coming. We've got a couple other designs we're working on. So. Uh, we're going to continue to grow on the Pucks and Deep podcast. We're going to continue to bring you top-notch, professionally produced, smooth-sounding content yeah. along with beautiful merchandise. Smooth-sounding merchandise as well. When sure, you walk why down not? The street, get your nice leather jacket up there and squeak around as you're walking around. Um, namely, one thing I wanted to throw out there to the uh, to the listeners, the ones that are you know purchasing merch and the ones that are considering purchasing some merch, we don't have hats on the website yet. But I do want hats. I want them so badly, Lesko, and I want them for for myself. Like, I mean, yeah, <laughs> fuck all you guys. I want them for myself. I they want, are coming. I want me to get one. I want you to get one. The problem is, is hats are apparently a whole nother animal than yeah. shirts and hoodies and whatever else. So they are on. They are on the way. So we'll keep you guys posted on. Well, that. I wanted to know from the listeners: A, do you want a hat? B, what color do you think it would be? Like, hit us up. Let us know on Twitter. We got the email, whatever it is, realpuckpod at gmail.com. I'm going to set up a Facebook page as well, and we can get linked up with Instagram and all that shit because at this point in time, it's kind of, I would say it has graduated from just this little hobby that you and I have together as buddies. I think it's graduated from that to like a, I don't know what I want to call it. It's a thing now. It's a thing now. We it's gotta, beginning to take on a life of its own, yeah. which is pretty much all you can hope for and of course we owe it all to you guys for listening and supporting us uh you know throughout uh this journey it's been you know a year and a half since we started this and you know we started this because we have a lot of fun talking hockey and 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 doing this and putting this together but like i said it's kind of begun to take on a life of its own and and we're really appreciative of that and and definitely enjoying the ride and last note on those hats they are flex fits just so everyone's wondering, oh, I wonder what kind of hat it is. And that's a great question because if we're going to sell some bargain bin hat that hurts your temples, that's no that's no good for anybody. But Flex Fits hats or Flex Fit hats, let's go. I'm not sure if you've ever had one or wore one before. They're one of my favorite brands. Um, as far as a fullback is concerned, you know, the world has kind of moved away from fullbacks. We spent a couple of years uh, in the retro snapback, which I wish continued on. But now we've kind of moved to whatever I'm wearing right now. These these Velcro backs. Right. We've kind of moved to the Velcro back. So it is a full back. It's a flex fit hat. I know one of my good buddies, Pipes, shout out, brother. I know you're throwing an order in. Um, he's looking for the hats too. He's like, I want to know more about this. He's like, do they happen to be flex fit hats? I was like, yes, they are. And he was so pumped. So I'm hoping that more people are kind of like that thinking, Hey, I think I might pick up a hat. You're looking at what? Let's go 35, 40 beans. It's going to be between there. I I'm talking price. Tell. I already we said it. I already you talked fucking, to Sean. You're going to fuck yourself. I already <laughs> talked to Sean about that one. That's fine. 35, 40 bucks on the hat is, right. is, is very well, acceptable. We will, we will tell you once it has been set people. <laughs> 
Mr. Excited over here just wants to spill the beans on everything. <laughs> but I, there is lots coming down the pipeline. There, yeah, yeah, there's lots coming down the pipeline for us as far as product goes, uh, expanding in some social channels, and possible expansion of the team as well. And that is all I'm going to say in terms of teasing that. Okay. Uh, it's, I guess on the topic of merch real quick, our boys down in San Diego, packaged in the mail, Pucks and Deep Jr. will be receiving their mugs. Uh, the boys down in California who sent us their Pucks in Deep game, and uh, we're very thankful for that, and we hope uh, you got some rye to put in there too. We probably should have some Canadian whiskey or something to to put in those things. Is that legal? I, I don't know. I had to fill out some fucking form. Fuck's probably half price down there anyway. Oh, yeah, it would be. We'd be overspending, yeah. but yeah, some really. good Canadian ride be nice to put. Yeah, in that's our but... advice, boys. Whenever you uh, when you unbox them, we recommend testing them out with some good old Canadian whiskey. I meant to take a picture of the shipping label because it's funny that you just said Pucks and G- Deep Junior because that's exactly what I wrote on the <laughs> on the address label. <laughs> Pucks and Deep Junior, uh, attention, and then you know the the host name Alex. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's exciting, man. I mean. Obviously, we we ship those ones uh, out to those boys, uh, you know, on our own dime. It was pretty, uh, it was pretty affordable. I, at first, I was gonna pretend like I was pissed and be like, "Yeah, oh, if I could cost me forty dollars to ship it or whatever," but it didn't. Uh, it was actually pretty affordable, like twenty four bucks or something. That's not so, bad. you know, I'll take a check for your twelve. But uh, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, it's it, it's good. It's a good little, you know, it's a good little relationship we had going on there. Um, you know, they were a little. Uh, not happy. They were un- not pleased about the length of time that it had taken. They promised us mugs and we haven't gotten shit. Well, Sorry, we don't sell our shit on Amazon yeah. just ready to go yeah, like these guys. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, they mentioned that on their most recent episode of the Pucks in Deep Junior podcast. And it is uh, it was released on February 6th. Did we shut those guys down? No, but they've been quiet lately. They're, they're not weekly, that's for sure. They're monthly now. I guess. So. I guess is what you have to call it. But I tough wonder, competition out there, boys. I want <laughs> stiff, real stiff. No, I maybe wonder, we'll bring those guys on. We got to bring those guys on sometime. That's a good idea. Yeah, we should bring. That them actually on. is a good idea. Maybe, they are friends of the show or rivals of the show. Are they both frenemies of the show? Frenemies of the show. Okay. There. Um, that's a great title when we have them on. There you go. Um, we'll use that. Maybe we'll have to wait until the Sharks are a little bit of a better team. Maybe. Perhaps, but that could be a while. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Nobody knows where that's going. But let's take it to the ice, buddy. Um, right. I did want to first hit up Alexander Ovechkin. Scored his 700th last week, and we did not say shit about it on the show. We were so hot and bothered about our Maple Leafs that uh, somehow this one escaped us. Only a Zamboni driver beating the Leafs could be more newsworthy than Alexander Ovechkin scoring his 700th goal. Well, talk about, yeah, being overshadowed. Here's this guy who's who's nobody, essentially, goes out and steals all Ovi's thunder because he's he's making the rounds, he's doing the tours, he's it. getting international media coverage. Meanwhile, Ovechkin's like, yeah, I just bought him a 700 goal. You know, nobody gives a shit. Not a big deal. And not a lot of people were talking about it because of that story. That's right. Completely overshadowed it, but... Uh, so right now he's sitting eighth all time. Um, it's likely that he passes uh, former Maple Leaf and Washington Capital Mike Gartner to move into seventh all time before the season's out. Um, I did want to give a shout out to one of our day one listeners, Leaf, actually tweeted us this quote last week as well. Uh, this is from when Ilya Kovalchuk was traded to Washington 
and he was saying how long he and Ovi, or he would ask how long they had talked about playing together, to which Kovalchuk responded, since we were 13 years old. <laughs> well, wait a second. According to official sources and, I guess, birth certificates, there's two years difference between those guys. 34 and 36. 34 and 36. Right. Right? But, and I believe we've talked about this previously on the Pucks and D podcast, is that it's been well known that several Russian athletes have had their birth certificates like fudged, I guess, in order to compete in international comp- competitions when they're too old, Main- namely like the World Juniors or the U-17s, U-18s, in tournaments which they've historically commonly dominated as well. So, and I- I've seen a couple people uh, tweet this out. I believe uh, Slava Malmud was one who alluded to this before. And I was kind of thinking, I was like, you know, Ovechkin plays like he's 27, though. You know, looks right. like he's 48. <laughs> you know, with <laughs> yeah. that, with that friggin' salt and pepper salad he's got going on. Yeah, there. the silver fox, predominantly gray, actually. Now, yeah, it is. So, I mean, we'll never know the truth, but it was like uh, Lee was saying. I wonder if perhaps Kovalchuk kind of spilled the beans on on Ovi right inadvertently there. threw him under the bus. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, it, does it become more impressive? If he's actually 36? I suppose, yeah, because if he's playing this good. Or maybe Kovalchuk is actually 34. No, no, it would be Ovechkin yeah. that would be, yeah, right. Pretending he's younger than he is so yes. that he could play, you know, like I said, at that, that a higher, um, instead of being in the uh, pros or wherever he's playing right. juniors. Right, yeah. And, you know, we have talked about that before on the show, and it's a, a pretty interesting, pretty shady fucking thing to do. You know, and you got. Hey, they still lost the gold medal they that still year. Lose, yeah. They still lost the gold medal. I don't even know if Ovechkin finished the game. No, he didn't. That was yeah. so. Was, they were beating the piss out of him. Yeah, one of my early knocks on Ovechkin when when the Ovechkin Crosby debate was was you know at its fucking peak, and of course I'm Team Sid, you know Canada versus Russia, whatever. Um, but I used to say like he he fucking packs it in. He packs it in. Like when when you're on the bench. And you know that your loss is coming. There's two things you can do. You can continue to play hard and know that, you know, it's over. Yeah. Or you can pack it in. And he would pack it in. Oh, I'm in. They were in his face. And then then he would leave the game. And he did it again in the Olympics. Right. Whatever Olympics it was. It might have been Torino. In in around that time. But most interestingly, it seemed he had really learned a valuable lesson in that gold medal game against Canada. Because when he came to the NHL, he was a, he was like physically prepared. Here's this guy out there. He's monstrous. He's laying hits and scoring goals, and and really has become one of the the tougher players in the league. You could say. Oh, you got to keep your and, head up when he's out there. Yeah, absolutely. And so you know, good on him to make an adjustment. Be like, this is what it's going to be like for me in the NHL. This is what it's going to be like playing in North America. I got to ready myself. And you know, I've heard people say this before, and and it's, it's there's a lot of truth to it. But Ovechkin and Crosby. I mean, Crosby especially, you could say, probably one of the best grinders in the NHL. Oh, You watch the way those guys play the game, they're not hovering around the dots. Yeah, OV scores a lot of goals from the same spots, but those guys go and get dirty in the corners. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's funny that you mentioned the grinder because I think for, you know, the years where Crosby was, again, like, you know, peaking, uh, let's call it whatever, 08, 09, around there, uh, after he'd been in the, the league for a few seasons, um, on NHL, like on EA Sports, I used to always joke that 
he should be a grinder on uh, like a 97 overall grinder. But he was a 96 or 97 overall playmaker, which was also fair. Like he is such a great passer and very creative, right? Like he was an assist first guy when he broke into the league. But it was it wasn't for his ability to just skate around with the puck and make nice passes, let's go. It was from what you just said. Going into the corners and digging. Making plays happen. And being really strong on the boards and making something happen that way. So you're right. Like he, I always kind of thought that he should be a grinder more than anything else, which is pretty funny that you put it that way. Yeah, so Alexander Ovechkin looks like he's on track to score 50 once again this season. Um, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about the Rocket Richard race since we're talking Ovechkin. Uh, currently, it sits at Pasternak with 47, Austin Matthews with 45, Ovechkin with 45, and Drysaddle after that four-goal game got himself uh, kind of into the race with 43 right now. Throwing his hat in the ring. Yeah. So I don't know. Well, do you have any predictions on that? Uh, who do you who do you see flying in here? Matthews. Is that your heart or yes, your head, though? It's both. I think it's both. Yeah. I, I, I you think, think he wants it. Like you think he's one of those guys who like really like cares about it. Not, not that the other guys don't, and not that the other guys' teams don't feel this way. Mm-hmm. But I feel like both Matthews and the Leafs as a whole want this for him, like really badly, and I can see it when he buries one, like when he buried that. Fuck, what goal was it just recently? It was a bit of a weird one, and no one even knew necessarily. Oh, it was the rebound oh, yeah. goal. Yeah, yeah. The nice play, uh, Marner over to Hyman, and then Hyman kind of bunted it to Matthews, and he just, you know, whacked it into the to the wide open net. Yeah, Marner made that slick play. Too. Yeah, yeah, nice play over to Hyman, and then across the, the crease to, to Matthews. And, I mean, for a goal that he just whacked into the net, I knew it was a big goal, too, at the time. I can't remember exactly what happened or when, but it was a big goal. His celly was absolutely epic in that moment. And then the rest of the team came and fucking hammered on him. And the only thing that was missing was the rest of the bench for an overtime goal. Like it was was, a big goal. It was, it was a pretty big goal at the time in the game, especially. And, and Matthew's one of those guys that you can tell he really loves to score. And, you know, you used to always say that about a Vetchkin. Awesome. Sellies like very intense. Um, You know, I'm sure. Of course, everyone loves to score, but I, I like to see it. You know what I mean? I, lo- I love the intensity and then the uh, the enthusiasm and the, and the momentum you can generate for your teammates by carrying that enthusiasm after you score a goal. So uh, pretty cool there. Um, well, what about you? You got I'm gonna, any predictions? I'm going to give my I'm going to give it to Ovechkin just because he just he it seems like this year especially and and you know he's done this lots of years, but he's on a mission. You know, he's on a mission. Washington's looking really good right now. Um, You know, I put them in the top, you know, five teams in the NHL right now as far as cup contention. And you know Ovechkin and the way he plays and the way his teammates support him, they are feeding him the puck constantly. And if he's in a rocket race too, you're damn right they're going to be feeding him. And I imagine all these guys are going to be getting favorable passes from their teammates, not just for being great goal scorers, but when you're chasing 50, that 50 is something special. Oh, it's special. huge. Yeah, it's I huge. I mean, if, if Austin Matthews scores 50 goals, he's the first Leaf to score 50 since Dave Anderchuk in 93. And, not, and even then that season, Anderchuk didn't play all 82 with the Maple Leafs. He actually played for the Sabres and was traded. Like, that's going to be... That's an important note, too, actually. Yeah. But that's, that's going to be... You know, before most or many of our listeners were even born, let's go. Exactly. And, and when, who is, the, so 
it would be amazing, amazing if Matthews did happen to, to pull it off and win the Rocket because I think the last time a Maple Leaf won the scoring title was uh, the 30s. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> not surprising, though. That's before everyone's time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not surprising, <laughs> except for my grandmother, I guess. Right, right. But, uh, yeah, that's so, that's how... how meaningful that would be to the fan base like i often say that you know players don't give a shit about any trophy but the stanley cup and and we as fans really don't either but if there's something if there's something really special it's it's the rocket richard trophy man leading the league in goals and i really enjoy how there is a race like this this year it's been pretty competitive uh with Pasternak, matthews and ovechkin throughout the whole season yeah and it's it, you know we talked about this just before we came to air it's there's actually tangible statistics that you can measure and they're just goals. Like there's no gray area. There's no, Oh, importance to his team or, you know, criteria of, well, what's the best defenseman? Is it defending or is it getting lots of points? There's none of this argument, like debating over it. It's goals. That's it. How many did you put in? And I guess people can say, well, he had nine empty netters. Who fucking cares? An empty netter is a goal and a goal is a goal is a goal. So they don't ask how. If if Matthews doesn't win it, I hope it's Ovi. And I don't know if uh I don't know if 2006 Josh Coleman would have said that. <laughs> I probably would have said, "Oh, I don't want Ovechkin to Ovechkin win it." Anybody. But I've matured. You know, people grow I've up. Grown. They mature. Ovechkin has grown so, on me and I've grown up as yeah, well. <laughs> yeah. So if it's not Matthews, I hope it's Ovi and 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 strictly because again, you know, at, at the age of I already forget because we were talking Kovalchuk and 34, right? Yeah. So at the age of 34, he's able to lead the league in scoring is absolutely impressive. Yeah. And just one quick one before we move There's on. There's no slowing down for that guy. There is not. No. Ta- father time catches up to everyone except Alexander <laughs> yeah. Ovechkin. Um, but one more quick one as it relates to Matthews and the Rocket. Matthews has only played a full 82-game season in his rookie year. Okay, let's let's let that sink in for a little bit here. This is his fourth season in the NHL, one season of full 82 games. And it was his rookie season. Mm-hmm. And guess how many goals he scored in his rookie season? 40. Yeah. So a rookie burying 40 with Zach Hyman on his left. And 52% uh, William Nylander and 48% Connor Brown. Yeah. Okay, this guy scores 40. Ever since that year, I said, if this guy plays a full 82, he can and he will, Kyle Dubas, win the Rocket Trophy. And when he got off to, he got off to great starts in both of the previous two seasons. And I remember updating my Facebook status several times with a picture of, Oh, it was just the rocket emoji. That's all I did. Oh, yeah, I didn't yeah. even say anything. I just put a picture of a fucking rocket and updated my status because this guy was scoring every night. He gets 34 goals in 62 games, Lesko. That's only six goals fewer than his rookie season in 20 fewer games, man. Well, even last year, I recall, I believe over 82, he was on a 50-goal pace, um, obviously a little derailed due to injury. Um, and, you know, back to that 2016 season, it it meant a lot as a fan to see a, a Maple Leaf score 40 goals because no one had done it since Matt's. No, and... And that but, was kind of special. And that's why, like, you say he doesn't win the Rocket this year, but he hits 50, that, I'll take oh, that. Oh, huge win. I'll take that. Oh, as I, a fan, that all oh, take yeah, that to the bank and snuggle that shit and go to bed. With it. <laughs> at this point, as at this point, regardless of whether he wins it or not, it's a huge win. He already has forty five and sixty six. 
That's crazy. He had 37 and 68 last year. He's obliterating his own records at a record pace. And he will win it. And I do believe that it could be this year. I'm calling it that it's going to be this year. And I hope it's this year because it'll be very awesome to see something like that happen. And then when the Leafs, you know, if and when the Leafs get eliminated from the playoffs or whatever, people will say, oh, but at least you won the Rocket Trophy. <laughs> like, it's just <laughs> like, like, yeah, yeah, yeah we, we did. did. Yeah, like, awesome. You can never win, you know? And, yeah, and it's yeah. funny. Uh, you, you talked about the importance of his 40th as a rookie. You got to remember, though, that that was a little bit skewed by the fact that that particular 40th goal of the year went into the empty net and sealed the deal. We clinched the playoffs. Yes. So there was a two-time celebration. Right. It was 40. Very meaningful. And then it was playoffs. Yeah, yeah. You know, so. big, big day for Leaf fans. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I know we did talk about the ambiguity of some of the awards briefly. You were talking about Most Valuable's team. And, of course, today, fucking Twitter's a fucking blaze about people going off about the the heart trophy and who deserves what. And I think it's an interesting debate this year because there's no clear front runner. And that's a part again, why the rocket race is interesting too, because no one's just taken off with it. Right. Um, but everybody seems lit up over it. And I kind of dove into this. I'm like, why is someone so fired up? And a lot of the conversation seems to center around Leon Dreisaitl. And I'm thinking, well, the guy's got, you know, isn't he on pace for over 100 points? Or he, has over, a, over he already has, 100, has, 100, yeah, he already has 100 points. Or 106. So it's like, okay, well, this is, you know, valid person to be nominated for such an award and we've talked about this award before and how it's kind of stupid and the criteria is stupid and it's you know the definition ambiguous. is stupid the, yeah then the definition is ambiguous and yet apparently this all devolved from some stats guy on the internet saying uh that valerie nishushkin was more valuable to his team based on whatever metrics than dry settle was i guess from a complete standpoint or whatever whatever they used thoughts i pimped him in fantasy and he got two assists those are my thoughts yeah. so guy with 25 <laughs> points or guy with 100 points who do you choose i don't know but it all comes down to the fact that they like to say that dry and mcdavid cancel each other out which 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 i'm okay do you have with to pick one at least for nomination purposes i think you have to pick both of them yeah i think it's just undeniable i just think it's nonsensical to not put connor mcdavid on a ballot right how many games does Connor McDavid have to play in a regular yeah. season for you to take him off the ballot? Is it 41? Is it half the season exactly? It's got to be something like that, yeah. Because what about the season where Mario came back in uh, half the season and won the scoring title? Did he get the heart that year? I don't know or care. That's or just, did they give it to Yarmir? I'm not sure, but actually that's a really <laughs> good question, though, because that, that would question. be a similar idea. Yeah. Let's say McDavid misses half the season. Dreisaitl's an absolute rock star. Edmonton makes the playoffs. Connor McDavid comes back January 3rd or whatever it would be for half the season and wins the fucking... Wins wins the scoring title for the league most yeah. points. I don't know how you don't put both of those guys on the on the on the yeah. ballot. I'm kind of at this point too, especially with this award in particular. And if you're a longtime listener, you you would know our opinions on this. But who cares? I mean, of this of all the awards, this is probably the dumbest one. Is it not? This is easily the dumbest the, one. It's the dumbest award. Like, and the who best the fuck award. cares? And I, I'm sorry, but if you're going to fucking pull stats out of fucking the sky to tell me that, that Drysaddle's not worthy of a nomination or this player is better than him, like, go, fuck yourself. Honestly, it's, Take a it's lap. the dumbest thing. You're just, you're honestly just using numbers to troll people at that point. Okay? Like, it's not even a debate. Don't debate me on whether or not somebody with 100 points is better than somebody with 25 points, okay? Why don't you just say, come at me, bro? Well, it's just at the end of the day, who cares? 
right? Who cares who wins that fucking award? And don't go trying to tell me that somebody, you'd rather have this guy on his team because of X stat as opposed to the stat that really fucking matters and that earns the bank and puts wins on the board. The heart is the worst and the best award isn't even considered one of the major awards and it's the Lindsay. Yeah, so if you get rid of the heart, maybe that puts a little more emphasis on the Lindsay. Well, at this point, there's no getting rid of the heart. I don't see why not. Just because it's either or change the definition. We've talked. We've talked. Change the definition. That's all you got to do is change the definition. But listen, while we're still talking about trophies, let's not dive too crazy into this. But let's look at all the major ones just quickly: the heart, the Vesna, the Norris, and the Calder. At this point in time, if I asked you to give me a name off the top of your head for those four, would you not have a difficult time blurting a name out? Because I would. I had a difficult time typing down my thoughts. It Mainly because, and again, said this before, but awards, who cares, right? Like at the end of the day, who cares? Especially when the award show comes around, it's after the cup playoffs, it's the middle of fucking summer. Yeah, but you, know you what I mean? saying like, who cares is subjective. It, it totally is. And uh, people yeah, care. a name pops out at me, but I'm not about to like have a debate. And the worst <laughs> thing is, is when somebody's like, I think uh, this guy's a front runner from the, for the Norris. And somebody's like, oh, you're a fucking idiot. Yeah, but like, I, I, you know what I mean? Like, that's the worst thing online. Like, why does everyone who, who says something you don't like have to be an idiot? Man. Why can't they just have an opinion? And especially with something so subjective, such as these awards, right? You're getting lit up like Ray Ferraro oh, on yeah. Twitter. Did you Actually, see Ray's before, Twitter account? Yeah, yeah. So he, he was he was going out. Everyone's all Ray Ferraro takes runs at people and it's hilarious. He does. He was on the uh he was on TSN 1050 actually when I was at home before I came over and they asked him about it and he's like, you know, putting a quarter in him basically to see yeah. like, and he's yeah. like and he said similar to what I say. He's like, honestly, who cares who votes for who? You know what I mean? Every it's so subjective. Anybody can pick anybody. And he's like, honestly, if Marty Marinson scores one more goal, I'm voting for him. <laughs> <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, though, like I'm not here to debate you. I, I I know what you're saying. You're kind of going on a bit of a social media rant, saying just everyone just fucking relax, right? But I think at the end of the day, the awards are the awards. Okay, they they get handed out every single year. They're always going to get handed out. They're always going to go and dress up and have these little speeches or whatever. Uh, but at the end of the day, for me as a, as a fan and now as a co-host of a podcast, it's an opportunity to have a conversation and, you know, center your conversations around goalies. Let's yeah. talk about the Vesna. Let's talk about the Norris. All right, let's talk so about some D-Men. So what do you got for the Vesna right so now? So for me, that's I ha- a tough one. That one is the it's toughest. another one that's not being run away with right now. That one's the toughest. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I can bring myself to give it to Tuka Rask. I don't know if I can get there. Has he played enough games? I'm going to go with Vasilevsky just because I think he's the best goal in the NHL and has been for a little while. And that, you know, call it the easy take, but... That's you know, fair. Try, I mean, you know, it's, it's hard to debate that. But right? they, ha- they had a rough start. They did, absolutely. But that's pretty far back in people's minds now. Yeah, you're right. The, Recency the bias that is they've big. been on. And, yeah. you know, I, I, with these award conversations too, a lot of the time what I'm trying to say is this is who I think is going to win, not who I want to win or that I yeah, think should here. win. It's like this is who I think will get picked based on how things operate in the NHL, right? Right, right. And so, you know, the, the Norris is a little bit of a – like at least there's probably candidates that you can throw out. Like does John Carlson? He's got to be the runaway. Right? Does he? Is he a runaway yeah, with at the this points point? he's yeah. putting up? Yeah, dominant. True. 
You know, first pairing guy, tons of minutes, not yeah, much true. more you could ask I for. I still have such a difficult time because it's just, it, it seems to just always be about fucking points. Always. And, and I, those are the names that jump out of the paper, right? I hate it. Yeah. So it, that's a tough one too because nobody's sitting there studying. I mean, yeah, I guess now with advanced stats, we could break down who has the best defensive impact, but face it, no one who doing the voting is doing that. They're no, just, but I mean, especially considering how old school a lot of the people are a vote, they're just going who, who they watch. So, and we see this all the time. There's a frequent Eastern Eastern bias in a lot of this voting. Well, that's because most of the voters aren't awake at twelve thirty seven in They're the morning on the East Coast when the third period is just getting underway. Yeah. But let me ask you though. I mean, I think one. I think a nice way to have this debate, and we'll do this again a little bit more in depth later on uh, in the season when the awards are you know coming up or whatever. But I like to I like to say. Let's say you're you're going between two defensemen, and let's just for the sake of the argument use John Carlson and Roman Yossi, because in my opinion, those are the two top right. options. Maybe throw Hedman in there as well. But my question to you, Lesko, would you know to help facilitate a, a debate or try and help you make a decision? If you swapped John Carlson with Roman Yossi. Do you think either like of those... they're on opposite teams? Yeah, just take John Carlson and put him on Nashville and take Roman Yossi and put him on Washington. In your opinion, do you think either of those players has a significant change in their play, results, dominance, status? I'm going to... I would estimate that Roman Yossi actually has a decline in points. Oh, really? Which is a weird take because my initial is reaction is... He scores more on Washington because Washington scores more goals logically. Nashville is, right. is a low-producing team, but he doesn't have to contribute as much on on offense on Washington as he does with with oh, Nashville. Oh, that's a like good if you, point. If you watch the Preds and the few times I have watched them, he is driving play in that he's carrying the puck into the zone most yeah. of the time. Yeah, he looks like, like a he forward. gets more. Yeah, he gets as many zone entries as a winger. That's a good point. You know, like it, it, it's it's almost as if he he realizes that without his contributions, the team would be in more trouble than they are currently. Yeah, I, I like that. I'm gl- I am I threw that to you cold. It's not even in the prep or anything. So well done, my friend. I, I thought that was a great answer. I mean, it's almost similar to the fantasy impact discussion that we had with, I, th- I think it was Ty when we spoke with Ty. Or, no, it was Jake. Jake Hahn, when we had a little discussion about fantasy, I had, I had picked his brain about, about Blake Coleman. Because there was, you know, a lot of guys were running out to draft Blake Coleman because he got traded to Tampa. Well, the thing is, is he's just, he's not going to be as needed. You know, he was the only guy in New Jersey getting top minutes, power play number one. Now he's over in Tampa as, you know, where he probably should be. Yeah. Yeah. And not to say his position would change on that team. It's just, he would, it would be a secondary offensive threat. That's right. Right. That's right. And you could say the same about John Carlson in the current situation, but as far as offensive defensemen go, I'd say outside of Orlov, they don't have any. All right. Sounds good. Well, not much on the not much on the Calder. I did find something interesting on that Calder though. Well, there Let's seems go. to be a heated debate going on between Hughes and uh Makar right now. Well Which it, is when's the last time two defensemen yeah, have that's been what I was gonna, that's what at I was the core say. of the debate? It, it's it's pretty neat. Um so what what I thought was really interesting was that not only what you just said two two rookie defensemen, um, what do you had a little bush there, a little bush, 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 ah. um, cold as so a mountain stream. 
you know, at the, nice. at the beginning of the season, it was, it was, it was tightly discussed or, you know, I guess it was a tight race. Of course we have 82 games to play to determine a winner of the award, but it was uh, hotly debated at the beginning of the season on January 3rd. This is what I found very interesting on sports betting dime, sports betting dime.com. I uh, got my information. So on January 3rd, Kilmacar had improved to a heavy favorite for the Calder Trophy, considered to be a runaway at negative 237. Okay? Those are the odds. If you don't know what that means, look it up. On March 2nd, two months later, Makar dropping all the way down to 130, negative 130, and almost in a dead even tie with Hughes for the uh, for the Calder Trophy. Now, of course, Makar had some injuries uh, in that time, so I guess unfairly, but that's what happens. Um, but at this point in time, like he he was looking like a runaway for the Calder, and now you know Vegas or other sports bets, whatever you want to call them, uh, bookies have them almost tied. So it's been an interesting conversation. I personally think at the end of the day that it goes to Makar, uh, and I might be biased from from the fact that I watch a little bit more Colorado games than I than I do Vancouver. But, I mean, McCarr just looks like an absolute NHL veteran out there. Yeah, he's, he's an absolute stud, and he just walked in the NHL and has made an impact uh, immediately. And I think the reason why you might have seen Hughes get more in the conversation and those betting odds even out is that Vancouver has kind of quietly surprised everyone. Yeah, they've done well. I mean, they're well. sitting in a wild card spot right now, uh, have slowed down a little bit as of late. I don't remember his marks from hurt right now. I believe might be impacting them negatively. Yeah, he is. Because Demko, um, a, a solid goaltender, but it does not seem to be 100% comfortable at the NHL level right now. Um, you know, off the top of my head, real quick, I go McCard just because of, of, and it might be, like you said, paying closer attention to Colorado and watching him. Yeah. But I'm just amazed at the the skill level of this kid. And, and, it, it, and you can have all the skills in the world, but to be able to transition to the NHL that easily, that smoothly. And, you know, I'm not saying that's not taking away from Quinn Hughes. He's playing top pairing minutes right now. And that is probably the toughest part about Quinn Hughes and any rookie defenseman is that defensive aspect of the game and dealing with top line matchups. Yeah. I mean, you can be a prowess offensively, but if you're a clown in your own zone, you're going to get eaten alive. You see that with a lot of uh, young defensemen in the game. It's, it's, you know, excellent, and especially now with the, the modern defensemen, right? Good puck movers, uh, good skill sets on them. Excellent players with the puck. It's without the puck, though, that really hurts them. Um, I saw an interesting uh, post, too, if the play, or if the Olympics started today and Kale McCarr is on Team Canada. Yeah, is he Drew Doughty circa 2010 sort of deal? Well, I mean, I guess so, right? Why not? I mean... Quinn Hughes, do you think he makes Team USA? I'd have to take a look at their defensemen, but your immediate reaction is probably not. Probably not, not no. Yeah. That's a tough one, though, and I guess without, we can do a whole program on potential Olympic rosters, and it'd be great if we could do actual ones, but that's a, a whole other conversation right there. Well, I guess they're talking about that at the GM meetings in Boca Raton this year wouldn't they that would yeah be i imagine that docket. probably comes up every single time and uh it, it is kind of a weird time right now because uh you know they're even talking about delaying the summer olympics the upcoming summers and obviously the conversation surrounding coronavirus and what's going on in china and 
you know, there's a lot of talk about the next winter games being a huge opportunity for that market and, and a market right now that the NBA dominates in. Now, is it, it, it's it seems the majority of people interviewed and, and people who are speaking off the record about this don't believe that, that they'll go to the Olympics. But then there's the other side that says this is an opportunity too lucrative for the NHL to pass up. Really, eh? So you're hearing a lot of, uh, not to say that they're credible sources or inside sources. I believe it was sources, a player but... agent. I think it was a player agent's poll or something or uh, like anonymous interviews that I was reading on The Athletic. Uh, where some guys were saying absolutely not, but then other guys were saying, well, they absolutely have to take everything into consideration, and they're going to try, but they got to work. They got to work it out with the IOC, which seems to be the stopping point. Well, that that always is the stopping point. But, but think about recently, ten year anniversary of the of uh, Golden Goal, Sidney Crosby, Vancouver Olympics. Right. One of my fondest sporting, excuse me, sporting vet memories in my lifetime. Probably I remember the what fondest. I did, where I was, even though I was like at least 12 beers deep when it happened. <laughs> and yet, not a highlight pack, not a tribute video. I saw a couple spliced together on Twitter, but I mean, you post that on YouTube, the RC's got that shit taken down real quick. Oh, you can, there's no access. The only things I've seen is, is like fan videos from the stands, which are fucking cool, by the way, but... I, isn't like that is one thing right there. The NHL doesn't get money, and not only that, they don't have the rights to the the footage. They can't even do the footage. It's a raw deal. So, like you know, we all understand. You know, as much as we want, as much as the players want it, we understand that at the end of the day, this is business. If they're risking their players, it's got to be returned. I'm on the league side, and and I get a lot of flack for it, but I'm on the league side, and. I mean, I guess it's it's kind of twofold. It doesn't make sense from a business standpoint, pure and no, simple, right? It's twofold. One, a business perspective. And I'm not a businessman. I'm not claiming to know any more about business or the economy than anybody else. But I just feel like the NHL gets boned. And I'm a fan of the NHL. I back the NHL. So when this happens, I'm on their fucking side. Yet everyone else that's a fan of the NHL and wants to watch NHL hockey and loves NHL players, when the NHL doesn't go to the Olympics, they fucking turn their coats and they start bitching at the NHL and Gary Bettman, blah, blah, blah. Like, figure it out, guys. Are you not? Are you a supporter of the NHL or are you not? Because the NHL gets completely bent over on these Olympics. Yeah, Completely I mean, bent over. It looks like a PR thing because... Look, at the Olympics holds the event. So if the NHL doesn't come, it just looks like the NHL is not coming. It's not, people don't look at the other side or it's like, well, maybe it's a problem with the IOC, right? Everyone immediately goes to the NHL. Why aren't they letting their players go? Yeah, Because that's the narrative, right? The narrative is NHL won't let their players participate. Yeah, but even outside of Canada and the USA, hockey is the main event. It is. It's the main event in terms of people around the globe tuning in to a certain event, okay? So think about the Summer Olympics. Yeah, What's you your favorite about- event of the Summer Olympics? Beach volleyball is my answer. <laughs> and Good answer. Th- it is twofold Not again. dash. It is. <laughs> okay, fine. It is twofold. Yeah, the whole girls in bikinis thing is great and all. I was referring I like the volleyball to like because Usain of, Bolt. But, <laughs> but I, I like the vo- volleyball because of the action, because of the... The back and forth, the rallies, the best of five sets and stuff. Like I thought you were talking meter- about the booty shorts. No, well, that's great too. <laughs> I, I did lead off with that. I said girls in bikinis right, are great. Right, right. But in terms of 
you know, piquing my interest. Oh man. Oh my God. What a dig to stay alive. And they gain the advantage on the serve or whatever. It really holds your interest. So as far as the winter Olympics are concerned, unless you really love your, you know, ski jumping or moguls. I guess with the moguls, winter Olympics, they don't have that big draw. They don't. Right? Hockey is the draw. Hockey is the big, the only like major multinational revenue generating, TV rating generating sport that the winters have. And you could put 20 grand in the stands. Yes. At one time. Yes. You know, so it's, it's huge. It's a big draw and whether or not the players go, I mean, today, March 3rd, 2020. Yeah. I'm hoping they go. All we we can do is say, we hope it works out and we know the players want to go and we hope it works out for them. And we hope it works out for the NHL and they cut a good deal. Um, It's good that there's discussions being held on it. Um, I don't really see it becoming a huge like negotiating tactic as some people have alluded to when it comes to the CBA because I think labor peace is a higher priority than the Olympics for everybody at this point in time. Yeah, but the Olympics could, you know, that that discussion could facilitate labor peace. I just just don't think it's going to hinge... Oh, it's not going like to hinge. Labor peace is not going to hinge on Olympics participation. No, I don't think so. As either. some people were alluding to before, using it as a big uh, negotiating tactic or like for a the crutch. Players. It's because not a let's crutch. be honest, the players at the end of the day, that's HRR. That's hockey related revenue that that they want as much as the NHL wants at the end of the day. Yeah, very true. Um, listen, I mentioned the uh, GM meetings in. Yeah. Bo- so Bo- what Bo- else Raton. we got other than Olympic Wait, bullshit on that? Did you? Happen to see the photo of Gary Bettman arriving to the GM I did meetings? Not. We'll look at it right now. Wow, those are some <laughs> fast shades. Aren't those the best shades you've ever seen the commissioner of any sport wear? I've never seen Jerry wear any shades, and those are those are something else. <laughs> what's what's Jerry's percentage that these sunglasses were bought at a mini mall? <laughs> yeah, he probably bought them at like the bodegas downtown New York or right, something. Right, right, right. Oh fuck, I had to find it because it's pretty fucking yeah, awesome. He's like, man. I'm getting these, and they're always in Florida. He's like, I'm getting these these glasses for going down Go, there. Yeah, I gotta get my new shades. Uh, um, yeah, the only thing I really wanted to talk about, and I feel like it's the only news thing to come out, and I can't believe it's taken us 45 minutes to get to it. I know that we got hung up on Olympics, but there's two things actually. Okay, the, sorry. Well, the quick the quick thing we should gloss over is that the emergency backup thing that oh, everybody right. was up in arms about, all of a sudden everyone cares about it because it something affected the Maple Leafs, is not being changed whatsoever because let's be honest, how many times has it ever happened? Twice. Twice. And how many times will it happen for the rest of yeah, you know the exactly. league's existence? So they're not changing it. I mean, we're, like I'm a Leaf fan. We lost, and I'm not fucking raging to change it because let's be honest, we would have lost that game regardless. No, but that's not really the point, right? The point is, or the point was, the point like to t- uh, to remove. Oh, there's it a valid point to it. Was to make sure that the league doesn't get embarrassed, basically, at the end of the day. Yeah, and 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 people are already suspicious. I mean, people were pissed off. Like, this is where this was generated from, was people were pissed off that a Maple Leaf employee was playing in a game with playoff implications, right? And Oh, yeah, that's a better point. Guy's 42 years old, hasn't played pro hockey ever, hadn't played any competitive hockey in five years. You know, if he gets lit up, how many people are going and throwing allegations about him? Doing it on purpose. You know what I mean? Like, and, and... the league wants to avoid that kind of controversy. Now, thankfully, they did. It turned out to be a feel-good story and brought a lot of positive attention on the NHL. But it also shone a light on the ridiculousness of of the whole situation and of that of the protocol that they have in place, right? I had two different people ask me if I would have thrown the game. <laughs> like, what would you have done? 
They said, I I, Coley, what would you have done? I said, I don't even know how to answer that question because I'm such a what? huge Leaf fan. I probably would have thought about, I probably would have like considered throwing it in. But then when the shots started coming, I'm going to try and stop it. You're going to try and stop it because yeah. you don't want to embarrass yourself. And I number, might let them in anyway. But number two, like, <laughs> you know, you're an athlete, you're competitive. Like, you don't want to just sit there and you don't want people to think that you're throwing the game. And at the end of the day, like, if you do get let up, no one's going to accuse you of it because let's be honest here. You're an emergency backup goalie. You're an emergency goalie. backup goalie. Yeah. Like, how can... There's no way to prove that, right? No, and like that five-hole goal on Tavares, I didn't think for one second that he thought about letting that in. No, and not just, at all. He just got beat five-hole, which is what most amateur goalies do. Yeah, let's be honest. Like, most goalies don't want to get let up. So, I think there was just a lot of overhype because of the, it was the Maple Leafs, and it was a huge story, and obviously Carolina's milking it for all it's worth, which is their right and good for them, and... Dan Shell at the end of the day should be happy that the way this thing worked out because it's brought more press and attention than the NHL has probably generated at all. I thought like, that was like millions of dollars worth of free advertising for the NHL. Yeah, true. Across the world. Yes. <laughs> um, I thought that that was supposed to be a big uh, turning point, uh, rock bottom for the Leafs and a massive turning point for the Carolina Hurricanes and the Leafs are three and zero since it happened, and the Hurricanes are zero and three. Yeah, we'll get into the, that a little bit later. Um, but how does that work out? You know, I mean, hey, that that it's it, tough for Carolina. They lost their two goalies. Okay, that's a big one. Yeah, big and one. and that sucks. And I, I think Mrazek apparently is still about a week away. Oh, yeah, from seven returning. to ten. I read. Today. Um, talk about like a rock bottom rallying point for the Leafs, though. I mean, they could have went one of two ways after that game. They could have packed it in, started booking tea times, <laughs> or you know, they they drown out the noise. They bring out the old Chinese farmer like Kyle Dubistig awesome. and move the fuck on. Yeah, it's true. Move so, on. Let's uh, move on to yeah, the Yeah, the, the other big story, I guess, coming out of the meetings was something that we have bitched about on the Pucks and Deep podcast probably since this thing started. If anybody's a longtime listener, you will know how much we detest offside reviews. Now, credit to the NHL, they've added consequences this year. So we see a lot less challenges. Which was great. So that, that has great. that there's a deterrent involved here. But there was still but we're one actually more. talking about the evolution of the offside rule, which is very interesting to me because I did not think that they would go this route. So I some credit due to the NHL for for adapting. It was necessary. They're breaking the plane now. Yeah. So you want to explain that for the fans here? Well, that was something that I'd been bitching about. We, we'd been bitching about, but I, I say I because I remember distinctively yelling about it on the fucking podcast when, when I lived over on Market Street there in the basement when the we were recording. Yeah, at the bar. I, I remember saying, it's not that hard. Just break the fucking plane, man. It's so easy. The official is on the line. Hell, the official can even be... Two or three feet off the line and still see. It does make it player... easier for the official and almost gives a bit more power back to him, right? And all it was basically, like you asked me to explain it. I mean, most of our listeners are likely sports fans, so they understand breaking the plane in the NFL where basically, you know, the football doesn't necessarily have to go into the end zone. It's just that it has to be above the line of whatever yeah, the put end it into zone a context line. of an offside yeah so for the offside basically at the end of the day what they've done is they've created an imaginary blue line that goes all the way in the air to infinity that's it so you can lift your skate you don't have to have your skate down your skate can be in the air by two inches the blue line goes all the way up to the fucking heavens 
So as long as your body is touching anywhere where the blue line, if it went straight up in the air, you'd yeah, be if inside you're over of the it. Blue line. Yeah, if you're hovering over it, you're good. So it's it, it's good. I, I'm sure, Lesko, we're still going to have our problems, and there are still going to be some reviews. And it's probably going to cause some problems for reviews and a little confusion amongst the fans. But at the end of the day, though, I think it's going to create for an easier review process, in my opinion, because at the end of the day, basically what we've done here is we've eliminated the arguments over a quarter of an inch, and we've now moved on to hockey play, like good hockey play or bad hockey play. Right. That's it. So when you look at the review now, and you see that not only did the guy jump the gun, he jumped the gun so badly that just the blade of his skate, while it is two and a half feet in the air because he's in mid-stride, the blade of his skate might be touching the blue line. No, offside because you jumped the gun so far. You're so far ahead of the play that I can't give you the 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 breaking the plane rule here. But you know, if you're carrying the puck into the zone, let's go. And I just happen to be leaning forward as I'm doing a crossover. Well, I'm not jumping the gun. As a matter of fact, I'm technically you're just skating. I'm technically behind you still. Yeah, I'm behind you. So how could you? charge me for jumping the gun oh you lifted your fucking foot yeah but i i'm skating east to west and my teammate is on a breakaway i'm not even part of the play yeah no offside so that's gonna be great for me you're gonna eliminate this you know foot off the ice by an inch or skate into the zone by an inch you're gonna get rid of all that bullshit and you're just gonna be able to allow the linesman to say was this or was this not a good hockey player. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting because it's really going to it's going to throw us fans for a loop, I think, in the early going uh, if they adopt this as early as next season in uh, kind of getting used to it and, and probably a bit of an adaptation, I would imagine, for the linesmen as well. And this is definitely something, one of those rule changes that I see get, getting adapted throughout hockey almost immediately because it's 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 pretty major of a change, uh, all things considered, I would say. It is. It's major. I, I When I read it this morning... I mean, they haven't changed the offside rules since they took out the two-line pass in, what, 05? That's right. Right? That's right. And and the only reason why this change is necessary is because of review, right? I mean, the rule is the rule. The founding fathers of the NHL mm-hmm. had no intentions of reviewing offside. I'm still sticking with my original take, though, going back to last year on the show, and that's... If we didn't have fucking reviews, then this wouldn't be a problem because the call on the ice would be the call on the ice. Yeah, which I still think, you know, if we could rewind the tape and uh, eliminate reviews or eliminate the ability to have reviews, which sounds crazy, but let's just pretend we can do that. um, I think the game would still be fine. The game would be in a fine uh, state. Um, But I was always kind of on the, again, on the side of the league saying, Everyone else is evolving and adapting. Right. And I, and I, we I need to do it as well. I understand embracing technological advancements and trying to Use make the them. game better. But in this, in, originally, um, going back to last season, I thought they made things worse because they are, they made a problem, the breaking the plane problem. They, they exasperated that issue, right? They, they, they put a microscope on something that no human being could possibly get correct. My big, my see, 
I kind of, it's not that I'm arguing with you or debating you on this, but you made a point earlier that you thought it was going to create a little bit more confusion and maybe make the linesman's jobs a bit tougher. I'm on the exact opposite. I think this is going to be, I think this is going to be awesome. Like if I'm a linesman today in the NHL, I'm fucking jacked about this. And you want right. to know why? Because you just put the call back in my hands. Right. They and that's have, what, yeah. And that's what I used to get mad about when we recorded previously. Right. I said, this is bullshit because... And I remember, again, I specifically remember saying, why do we have linesmen? Exactly. We said, just put a laser there. Put a fucking robot there to make I don't even know. Calls. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So we have put a bit more power back in linesmen, and that's one of the things that I that I like, because you can only have, there's always going to be human error. There's always going to be in sports. That's yeah, and you can review sports. that then, though. That's sports, they right? They want to review it, and, fine. And talk to any athlete playing any game on the ice, on the field, on the rink, or whatever. You can't get hung up on this stuff. No, the it's play part of happens. The game. It's part of you the game. get over it. The next, the second the puck drops, you have to get over it because if you're not in the right fucking headspace, you won't perform. Yeah. If you're gonna sit there thinking about that ref's a dumbass, oh, I'm gonna tell him what's piece of my mind, right? Two more. You you can't yeah. do that. Like you're taking your head out of the game. We talk about how mental sports are, right? Like how how psychological sports can be, and this is something that can throw off a player immediately. If you get hung up on these calls and the pros, you know, the good pros know that a call gets called. Okay. I might give them a fucking look and be like, really dud, bud? Like, but other than that, you move on. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. You got to move on. And, and I'm really excited to see what the future of the game looks like. I think in two, three, five, ten years from now, we're going to look back at this break the plane thing as a great moment in the sports history i hope so yeah we, we, and, and i can see it working out well and we like created said, a lot of headaches we have yeah and, and it's good that we've they've they were slow to adapt but i you know they took a step in the right direction like i said by discouraging reviews on every fucking goal right by assessing a penalty and then now obviously making modifications to the rule to accommodate technology and the advancements in the game. Did you happen to read anything at all as to when this will be implemented? I did not. I, I My assumption either. is that it's coming next year. Fuck, they should do it for the playoffs. Is it that hard? Well, they can't change rules mid-season. That yeah, just seems like a weird thing to do. Yeah, sorry, you're right. They could implement the review for the playoffs because they're not changing the game. They're changing what they can right. review, which is allowed. Right. But they're actually changing... Yeah, you're right. They're changing the game And you, you have like a... You know, you got to have a bit of a training with referees and True. whatnot. I mean, yeah, these guys fair. have been calling the game the same way their entire lives. But just right? wait, though. It'll be game seven of the Stanley Cup final, and there will be a stupid skate off the ice review that can't be determined or something like that. And they'll be like, for fuck's sakes, <laughs> we're planning on implementing yeah. this next year. And it had to happen now. So, you know, let's go that, you know, Batman Daily, the Players Association, whatever, they're all the Referee Association. They're all heading into these playoffs with their fingers crossed saying, listen, we're making this we change. Don't have to deal with this. We're making this change next year. Like uh, starting October of 2020, we're going to be fixing this. Please reward us by not having any major yeah. events here in the playoffs. Because last year, dude, there was way too many. Yeah, absolutely. And, and. You know, with most rule changes, there will be yelling. There, there always will, is, right? There will be yelling. Um, one of the other topics that the uh, the guys covered down at the GM meetings, obviously, uh, and I alluded to it a little bit earlier, is this coronavirus issue. Uh, right now, actually, the IIHF recently announced that they are canceling the U18, U19 men's and women's tournaments that were set to play, take place over in Europe. So... Now we're starting to see the impact on professional sports. And some of the stories that were uh, coming out of the GM meetings were 
these contingency plans essentially that you know if push comes to shove and if it comes down to it we could see games postponed in the nhl and not only that but we could see games without fans that would be crazy it's, that would be like we we would be watching on TV though, right? I guess. Yeah, and have you ever seen those games where there was like major snowstorm, but the game still yeah. went on, but they basically <laughs> told fans not to come yeah. or we'll fund you, yeah, and yeah. it's a completely empty barn. It's that's a weird thing. Like they were talking about a huge element of the atmosphere in the game being taken. Yeah, out. no kidding. Some yeah. of those massive home teams, maybe some teams that struggle on the road, would would welcome that idea. I'm not sure. But that would be, yeah, that would be pretty uh, intense, man. I mean, at this point, though, like, I, I don't know what to think of this coronavirus, man. Like, I, I don't want to say that I've been joking about it because it's not a joking matter. But it seems but, everyone like, has, but now it's here. Now it's in North America, and people are not joking about it as much. Now they're starting to, you know, line up at Costco and raid the place. I mean, you see, you see what's going on in Seattle and the West Coast right now, and it's... You know, it's not it's not something to joke about. We just based on the fact that people who you know with pre existing conditions, people who are not the best of health, yeah, are at much higher risk of you know this potentially fatal. I, I, I would like to keep it light in the spirit of the podcast and all that shit. I don't fuck with pandemics. Like when it comes to these kind of disease and shit. Like if this stuff comes local and and this gets real serious and it's like yeah, don't go to public places if you don't have to and self quarantines and all that. I'm going to live in my fucking trailer and you can call me when it's over. I'll call into the podcast. Like I'm, I'm, I don't screw with this kind of shit. You know what I mean? Like I, I wash my hands frequently and so you're, so you're, you're, you're like, you're freaked out over this. I'm, I'm not freaked out, but I just, I don't fuck with these kinds of diseases. You know what I mean? Like I will avoid this shit at all costs. So, for example, like I, I, I do buying and shit for a living, right? So people you're handling my, a lot of stuff. So yeah, handling a lot of shit coming from overseas, blah blah. You know, I don't know what the implications of that are, whatever. But I had people at my work right when this first came up, coming up to me like, "We got to get a shitload of hand sanitizer," and I'm thinking, "Okay." I go online, fucking sold out, sold out. And this is back in like early January. Really sold out. Fucking what's left on Amazon? A liter of uh, you know a hand sanitizer, a hundred bucks. What? So like there's, you know, crisis comes opportunity, right? I guess so. I mean, here's my thing and I don't want to take a massive spin into you know, the end of the world or <laughs> like Are they are we thinning the herd? Is that what's going on here? That's what I think. Like you ever watch like Bill Burr, he talks about like blowing up cruise ships to thin the herd? No, but I I think you know, I don't want to label myself as a conspiracy theorist here, and and by no means necessary am I furthering the argument or the theory that it was created by man to you know have population control and all that. You, my, you were on Facebook for too long. My today. thing, no, I just <laughs> I've seen some thoughts. I haven't even really read into Corona very much, to be honest right. with you, because I'm kind of the opposite. If I'm going down, I'm going down, and yeah. and, and my biggest thing is uh, I, I feel like you know, humans are the detriment to the world. I mean, we're just, we're an, infect- well, that's a fact. we're an infectious disease yeah. that the world needs to remove, whether it be on a large scale or whatever. But, you know, every so often something comes along and it's basically the earth acting as a dog and shaking us all off because we're just fucking killing it. So at this point in time, 
you know these things they they pop up they they pop up uh, they pop up in very populous areas uh and it just you know it, it takes out uh, a, a percentage of the earth and i think it i think it's a natural thing i do i think it's well, it somewhat of a natural it, thing yeah it, yeah i guess the most fucked up part is that we have modern medicine but even still it's going to take like a year year and a half for them to even come up with a vaccine or something like that for right. this uh but i guess the one message i do want to put out to our listeners who who you know this is a weird thing for us to really get into and and i don't want to get all political here but please trust reliable sources here go to the center of disease control if you're on the in the united states check out health canada if you're in canada you want a proper device on this do not listen to facebook memes or whatever your aunt is posting your aunt karen or whatever the fuck about there about this that and the other thing because there's a lot of misinformation on this shit out there and the numbers and the stats so please trust reliable sources don't freak the fuck out but prepare yourself accordingly and protect yourself out there everybody stay safe at the end of the day and you know it, it it's a weird thing because this stuff comes around every so often i mean we we yeah. see stars h1n1 things like that maybe i was younger and i was more oblivious and didn't give a shit west nile yeah like that stuff is all kind of floats around here and there and every once in a while and it's it's Those scary were all world killers too you, you know, know it's and- scary but like you know don't let this kind of stuff dominate your life but it when it starts to bleed into things like sports it, it now you piss me off well it becomes an eye opener for us because <laughs> it true. it touches like it's one thing if it's over in asia and then it comes over here and it starts to affect things that affect our lives like you know it, it, you start seeing public gatherings being cracked down on or like po- events being postponed they're talking about the olympics potentially being yeah. postponed i mean it starts to become mainstream i guess and 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 open people's eyes up to it and unfortunately for the rest of us who don't panic we're almost forced to react in a similar manner because like I said, people are going out and buying up stuff. People are preparing for quarantines and preparing to doomsday. be self-sufficient. They're do, you know, not it's not just the doomsday presser, preppers who are going out there stocking up on shit right now. And it forces everyone else to do it because you don't want to be left behind, right? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, at this point in time, if I'm going to wake up and I'm going to get a notification or a emergency notification to not go outside or whatever, please turn on the TV. We have breaking news. I just want it to be zombies. Just zombies? I just want it to be zombies. I've been preparing for that by playing Call of Duty for years. Yeah. So I'm, watching, re- I'm ready for that. Watching zombie movies. Yeah, watching I just need the a few Walking more guns Dead. and I'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> I just want it to be zombies. When coronavirus uh, happened and I heard it was you know, allegedly from eating bats yeah. or something like that. I was like, Oh my God, unreal. Like, yeah, give me it's, it's not quite resident evil two. We're talking about here, No, but it's getting there. <laughs> <laughs> we're getting there. All right. Back to the ice. Let's go. Let's get the fuck out of here. Okay. No more Corona's. Okay. No more Corona's only, only Bush. On oh yeah. I got to open up my Bush here. Yeah. Only Bush on the podcast. I got to stroke. Um, my bush I want to take it over to the long Island right now. Quick. Nice. Um, there's an arena update. There was a statement from the league recently that the New York Islanders will be playing all home games at Nassau Coliseum in the 2020-21 season until Belmont Park Arena is ready, which is the one I believe is now under construction. Uh, just five- quick, sorry, just quickly, did we already comment on the JG Pajo comment there about that arena? I we did not. We didn't, eh? No. I I get confused sometimes whether I talked about it with you on the podcast or if I talked about it with other people. 
But I just wanted to throw you that in there. You talk about hockey with other people? Yeah, sorry, man. Mm. We'll need counseling. Yeah, you, well, if anyone out there is a counselor, hit us up yeah, at realpuckpod at gmail.com. Relationship counselor? <laughs> just sorry, I didn't want to derail you, but I thought it was interesting. With regards to the new building and you know playing all their games next year at the Coliseum, which, which we both agree is the right decision, um, JG Pajot was quoted as saying, it's very exciting. Uh, you know, a new building goes to show you that ownership and everyone is in the right or they're on the same page and they're headed in the right direction. And there what was did something JG Pajot play before this. Yeah. Well, Ottawa. I mean, what a dig, eh? It is. It, it was has a, to be a dig. It was a dig. Especially because he singled it ownership. Ownership. You know what I mean? Like, wow, what a refreshing thing. Like an ownership that can get shit done. And I'm very excited. I mean, that's, that's a dig for sure. And and it's great news for Islanders fans. It's, it's even great news that they're going to be playing some games at Nassau. I mean, that building rocks. I know it's an old dusty barn, but at the end of but the those day, are the, best. the fans enjoy it better. Barclays Center was a bad decision and a hasty, hastily made decision by the league to shove them in there. Um, Do you think any players bought some houses and shit like condos or anything like that? Now they have to backpedal and sell them. I feel like a few of the guys must have said, well, fuck, I'm not traveling all every day. I'm gonna just gonna pick up a fucking little house or a little townhouse or a condo or something. Now well, they gotta sell it. I know New York real estate's pretty expensive, but I'm sure these guys uh, will figure it out. I'm gonna say from a financial standpoint that it shouldn't be much of an issue for any of these guys. Yeah, that's fair. So no uh no concerns there. But I guess in uh you know, in mentioning Ottawa here, I did have a little bit of Ottawa stuff I did want to talk about. Shout out to our Sens fans out there grinding it out in the sewers. Uh Bobby Ryan. How oh, about that? What a beauty. Now I don't recall if we did talk about him when he did enter the substance abuse program. When these stories come up, it's it's salacious, it's interesting. And I'm always have reservations about talking about it, especially when you're talking about a guy like Bobby Ryan, who's very well respected around the league, uh, former second overall pick, right? Uh, former, you know, dominant player in the NHL, but has been through so much. I mean, and not just been through a lot, but has lived through it publicly. You know, the shit with his family, and now this battle with alcoholism. But for this guy to come back in his first game at home and his second game. Uh, back overall from uh, being in the rehab program, comes out and snipes a Hattie. What a story, man! I I watched that and I was I swear to God I was tearing up just a little yeah, bit. I would have and, loved and, to have been and there for the Ottawa Senators fans. They gave him a standing O, and and what a great thing for the fans too who you know paid their money who showed up to that game despite what has gone on all season long. It's a great story for the fans, the organization, and of course for Bobby Ryan. Bobby. Ryan, such a beaut. Like, you know, even all those years when I was like, I used to go to maybe 10 or 12 Sens games a year, two or three Leaf games. And then, you know, whatever, eight or nine fucking regular games, I would get them with my buddy and we would go down, get them on the, get them on the cheap. And we would just go down and watch, watch Sens games. He's a big uh, Sens fan, but I'm a hockey fan. So I would just gladly go down and watch games. And it used to be so awesome, man. The fans loved Bobby Ryan. And we're talking, you know, back when they were well, playoff. They were really team. Yeah. excited when he yeah. came to town. Yeah. Yeah. And it was uh, you know, it was it was a good it was a really good time. And and I always had a soft spot for Bobby Ryan. Like, I don't know why. I, maybe it was because because of his affiliation with Gong Show. 
which, you know, through my early 20s, as all early 20s go through, everyone loves gong show yeah. in their early 20s because it's just wheeling and sniping and selling. Like, it's all fun and games, right? And Bobby Ryan was such a big uh, advocate, not advocate, but... Ambassador uh, for the Ambassador, brand, yeah. thank you. Yeah, he was a big ambassador for, for gong show. And I just, I always loved the guy. He had great hands. Dude, remember that fucking goal he scored in the playoffs against Nashville? Oh, yeah. Against David, it was David Leguan yeah, where yeah. he... He went one side, other side, back to the other Completely side. Completely undressed. Leguan had no sticks, yeah. so he had no chance. And then he just, oh man, such a sick goal! Like one of my one of my all time favorite goals that I've ever seen yeah. from Bobby Ryan. And it's just like this guy's such a beaut. And you know, back to your point about talking about it on the podcast, I'm positive that we didn't because, to be completely honest with you, I didn't even know he was in. I didn't even know he was in rehab. I mean, I'm sure if I would have looked him up, I would have found out. But I didn't really know, nor should I need to know or care to know. Again, and it's another thing that's very precarious in when the media covers it too, because it's like, you know, did we leave them with this? How big of a story is it? I think it depends on who you are and your pedigree that, that de- determines that. Very fair. If Alex Ovechkin had to enter the substance abuse program next week, it is lead fucking story. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's a weird thing. It's just, it's a, it's a, it's a delicate balance that people in journalism, I think, have to strike. They got to walk and, that line, yeah. Because you know, it's kind of offside, is it? It's In a way, it is. And it's weird because it's personal, but it's public when you're a professional athlete. Yeah. And that goes back to what I was saying about the struggles that Bobby Ryan has had throughout his life. And he has had to deal with all of these struggles publicly. And it's, it's a tough go. But at the end of the day, good story, positive story for the Sens. But right away, I'm going to flip it on its head and take it over to Mr. Eugene Melnick. Huge. The, the worst owner in sports? I, I hear him compared to James Dolan a lot, the owner of the New York Knicks, uh, as, as being like, you know, some people say that uh, James Dolan makes makes Melnick look like a good owner and blah, blah, blah. But he's definitely the worst owner in the NHL. We all know that. Yes, we do. I, I don't know... I don't know enough about Dolan to to really make a comment on it, but I mean, it seems like a fair comparison, seeing as how Dolan recently just uh, put out a public announcement to make sure that Spike Lee doesn't enter through <laughs> doesn't the doesn't use the wrong door, doesn't use the employee door. Yeah, real real important stuff you're dealing with today, James. What oh, else man. you got on your? That's a big agenda. story. I know. I know we're not a basketball pod. I know we're not a basketball pod, but that's a big story, man. Like the guys were saying on Overdrive, they made a really good point. They're like, if you need to reach out to Spike Lee and say, hey, Spike, do you mind not using the door? Tell him personally. Do you have to do that through a public service announcement? Like you fucking embarrassed the guy. Yeah. Spent $20 million on your franchise. Yeah, exactly. Over the course of his life. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Maybe a T-bomb or an email. Yeah, something, right? Like, it's, I don't know. Pretty and ridiculous. A weird thing, right? So, you know, we rag on Melnick a lot, and, and, you know, he's probably the least popular owner in sports, you know, next to James Dolan, and I think that's probably the reason why the comparisons are there. Uh, but so the story I read the other day in the Ottawa Citizen was referencing uh, Melnick was appealing a court decision that ruled that he had to pay his former pilot about $12,000 for wages that were owed to her and vacation pay. So what happened in this story was the pilot gave her three weeks notice, okay, and shortly thereafter was basically not called back to come to work and was not her checks didn't show up. 
So she called and said, what the fuck? Rightfully so. And they basically said, we owe you nothing, like, blah, 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 shut her down. So she took them to court. Over, Stop calling over, us. <laughs> yeah, over, these 12, over the 12 grand that she's owed as, as the former personal pilot or whatever team pilot for Melnick and his private jet. And the courts ruled that Melnick owed her this money and then had to pay her, and now he's appealing it. So is this dumbass Over twelve grand? Is this dumbass spending more t- than twelve grand in legal fees trying to avoid paying twelve grand? Because it sure sounds like it. I think it like unless he's got a lawyer that says, "Yeah, Eugene, this is a clear cut." We'll I'll get fight you. all your petty we- bullshit for free. No, no, no. I was saying if he had a lawyer that was telling him, "Yeah, this we're is, gonna win this. This is forty five minutes in court." So is that is that a lawyer taking advantage of his stupidity, being like, "Oh, don't worry, we'll we'll take care of this." I this would. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I yeah, really, would. right? Oh yeah, this is a slam dunk huge i got this don't i worry. got this in the bag slammed i'm not even gonna bring my briefcase that's how confident <laughs> i am and then you know four weeks later you you owe me eight grand in, in legal fees yeah because <laughs> like at the end of the day like then I, he has to pay 12 grand because you lost yeah we're gonna have to most definitely follow up on the story to see what happens with this appeal but like man how fucking petty are you right I don't know. Like pay her the money. Just just move on, right? Strikes me as the kind of person that would have a burner Twitter account and use it to bash other GMs in the league. Yeah, it sounds like the type of I wonder of what Jack Maxwell has to think about this legal issue. Well, I bet you he just wants everyone to buy some ticks and merch. Well, you know he's in the courtroom at the time of the of the actual ruling. So maybe yeah. maybe he'll be on the scene. He might be. <laughs> um, speaking of substances and uh, maybe a little lighter side of the podcast today was the story I came across on my lunch break. Uh, I'm so glad I did because it's utterly ridiculous. But there was an eight-year-old boy who won a cannabis buffet at a novice hockey tournament <laughs> in a, over in BC. <laughs> right? You might be thinking to yourself, what the fuck did you just say? A nine-year-old boy won a cannabis gift. Yes. So, there, you know, you go to a hockey tournament, and there's they're always fundraising. You got a raffle. You'll buy raffle tickets, enter for all these prizes. Sure. Well, some very generous gentleman, person, uh, donated a $200 worth of edibles, right, to to what as one of the prizes. But it must have been a credible, like a, like a, like a dispensary Oh, these were right? like, the picture I saw was like prepackaged, like government-labeled, products like oh, completely legit oh, it wasn't okay. just a big bag of cookies i made rice krispies yeah squares. exactly they weren't like labeled like <laughs> you want some special brownies like that kind of shit right who so, wants candy kids yeah exactly so <laughs> this right. kid got like his, his grandfather says he gave him 10 bucks and he went and saw chocolate saw chocolate the only word he saw in the description put it all his raffle tickets in there fair kid ends up winning it and the, the grandfather who by the way was an ex-cop Oh, flipped great. his shit about this, right? <laughs> Rightfully so. I mean, I'm sorry. Like that's you, you know as wonderful as I would love to go to a, a hockey tournament and win a, a basket full of edibles. Two hundred dollars worth of edibles. I mean, if I was at a, the local charity tournament here, all right, that's fine. But like, I mean, we're talking a novice hockey tournament here. Yeah, you can't. So be who's the that. wise guy who who went and threw that down? Now. The the committee or whatever who was running the tournament defended themselves. They said the the prize was labeled nineteen plus, just like we were with a booze basket or something like that. Fair, you know. And and you idiot, keep an eye on your grandson while he's throwing a bunch of raffle tickets into the weed pile, right? Yeah, I so, agree. I I you know I can see both. There sides. is some onus on it. A maybe a weird prize for a children's hockey tournament. B 
maybe not let your kid throw all his money, uh, raffle tickets into yeah, the Yeah, but just prize. because it's a novice hockey tournament doesn't mean that all the prizes have to be for fucking nine-year-olds. Correct. And the nine-year-olds aren't the ones with the cash either. No. I mean, like, what's what would be the problem with selling a, a perfectly packaged, safe, like, a hunting knife? Like a right. like a forty five dollar hunting knife, and exactly, you can win yeah. it for a two dollar raffle ticket. Well, the dad is going to win the knife, not the fucking kid. Yeah. So I mean, I can see it on both sides. It is a bit of a weird prize to have there, but it's definitely I, headline worthy. Though. It is, yeah. yeah. That's a pretty so it, funny. It jumped out at me, and I had to click on it. And I'm glad I got to to see that today on the day of the recording. Um, but judge, jury, no harm, no foul. I'm thinking here. At the the, end of the, day. the only thing that that headline is missing is. Nine-year-old kid suffers like extreme paranoia. Oh, trips epi- balls, basically. trips balls <laughs> on on doped-up rice krispie yeah, square. Then, then there would be some trouble. Some heads would have to roll there. Like if he got them, they're like here you go, here son. you go, son. Yeah, and he's just mowing them down mm. like it's Halloween. These are funny tasting. <laughs> yeah, we're terrible. Oh, All that. right. Uh, speaking of flying. Uh, Philadelphia Flyers, hot, Ooh. hot, hot in the Metro right now uh, on a six-game win streak, and they are 11-4 and four since the All-Star break, and it also has added to the potential for a Philadelphia-Pittsburgh Penguins series in the playoffs. Well, at this Wouldn't point... Wouldn't that be a treat? But at this point, it is almost... I don't want to say guaranteed or anything, but it's likely, dude. If you look at the standings real quick, it is likely. And that would be fantastic. Because it's been a while. Because, you know, Flyers have been, they haven't been in the playoffs, if I recall correctly, over the last few years. No, they definitely weren't in last year. I, and I don't think they were in two years ago. We're probably making ourselves look like idiots here. But either way, I said this to friend of the show, former guest on the show, Rich Shapu. Got to have him back on. If they make yeah, it. Yeah, if they make the playoffs, bring we're him bringing him back on. Um, you know, I spoke to Rich, big diehard Flyers fan. Spoke to him the other day, and I said, you know what, Rich? At the end of the day, the Flyers need to be in. They just do. They need to be in the show. Because it, there's just something about the orange and the the. they've got a really nice goal horn. I like their goal <laughs> horn. I like their Pico power play. Like, I like everything about the Flyers. I just don't like them as a team because I'm a Leaf fan. But I like to see a team like Philadelphia in the playoffs and when you're looking at a potential Philly-Pittsburgh uh, matchup at this point, yes, I guess the Islanders or the Blue Jackets in theory, even though they've played three more games than everyone, I know the Islanders or the Blue Jackets could sneak into that third and final wildcard spot, but you have to understand that I don't think the Penguins are going to continue their slide currently on a six-game losing streak. Uh, looks to be over tonight as Crosby's back off the schneid. Uh, already up to zip over the Ottawa Senators tonight, which really is what the doctor ordered. Yeah, could use one of those games. Yeah. Points night. Yeah, exactly. So I think I think we're looking that way, Lesko. We're looking for a 2-3 matchup, Philly and Pittsburgh. We're probably looking at a 2-3 matchup, Tampa-Toronto. And then, you know, obviously, however the wild card shapes out, you're going to have Washington and Boston playing, you know, one of the following Islanders, Columbus, Carolina, or maybe even the Rangers. Uh, it's getting pretty tight, man. It's, it's getting to that point in the season where it's really fucking exciting to watch any game that's on. Basically, yeah. any game that's on, even if it's a shitty team. They're probably playing a playoff team or a playoff hopeful, 
which means there's 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 room for spoilers. Yeah, absolutely. And and right now, like you said, the playoff storylines. We got battles for the playoffs going on. It makes it a very exciting time of the year. Uh, and you know, the Flyers are a team that's definitely gone through a bit of a changing of the guard. I mean, you look at the top scorers on that team right now, and it's Travis Konechny and Sean Couturier. You know, it's not and followed uh, by. Giroux and Voracek, but it's not all about those guys anymore. Like so, it used to be. Yeah, and, and and we've seen some good draft picks paying off for the Flyers, and probably the biggest one, of course, is goaltender Carter Hart. Uh, you Carter. know, he, this is a an absolute breakout year for Carter Hart. Um, I, you know, I, I'm not, you know, not saying he he's made himself a starter. I already believed he was a starting goal <laughs> in the NHL, but here's some couple of numbers here right now. Well, oh, best he, goalie in the world is, at home. He is 18. Two and two with a 1.67 and a 9.14 save percentage with one shutout in 22 home starts this season. That is incredible. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Like, look up the definition of ridiculous, and you will see Carter Hart making a save with his toenail on the fucking picture in the dictionary. Now, here's the guy the- is unbeatable at home, now, and he's recently figured it out a little bit. On the road, let's go. He struggled on the road. As much as we have to give him credit, okay, for having incredible record at home, you kind of have to raise the questions about his less than stellar play on the road, which recently he has seemed to have figured that out. Yeah, absolutely. And and like I said, I you know I, I call it a breakout year, but I thought he had already arrived as of last year. Uh, bit of a Cinderella story type thing this year, but now we can say he's a bona fide NHL goalie and probably one of the better goaltenders in the league. I just drafted as- him this year in my fantasy pool, and I'm I'm losing Freddie. Like I can't keep Freddie anymore. Right. Next year, so I drafted Carter Hart with very high hopes, thinking, please. Please show me that you are my keeper goaltender because I didn't know where else I was going to go. So now I'm really pumped that, you know, I'm, I'm sad that I lose Freddie, but I get to keep Carter Hart for the next two or three seasons, which I think is huge for me moving forward in fantasy. Yeah, and like I said, the team's made a, a kind of a good transition and have done a great job of retooling on the fly. So uh, I'm really rooting for that Pittsburgh-Philadelphia uh, matchup in the playoffs. And just as an aside question on this, put you on the spot here for a moment, but is Carter Hart, if we have a Winter Olympics Team Canada, is he on that team? Because right now we're in an interesting spot as far we as are. Canadian goaltenders go. Are we passing the torch from Carey Price? Well, I still say Carey Price is probably your default starter. What about just Fleury? Just because he's, he's earned it. And Fleury, maybe recency bias hasn't been the greatest. I know Carey Price hasn't been the greatest either, but maybe you give the nod to Price over What about Fleury Holpe? Based on the youth. Holpe concerns me just because... He's not been good for a couple of years now. Right. And fair. he's being might be being propped up by a very good hockey team. And it seems that Ilya Samsonov, perhaps, has Taking been over. a better goalie in Washington. Yeah. So do you put do you throw a Carter Hart on there? And oftentimes you'll see this in the past with uh depth players and the third or second string goaltender. You throw in that young guy because you know you're gonna he's gonna be your guy four years down the road. If it's in China, I go Price, Flurry, Hart. If it's in Calgary, I go Hart, Price, Flurry. Wow. Well, because I'm joking about it being a, a road tournament versus a home tournament. Right. Right. So if it's <laughs> if it's a Olympics on the road, I don't really know if I want Carter Hart because he's not great. But then if it, if the Olympics are here on home soil, holy Jesus Christ, he has to play every game. 
because he doesn't lose at home. I feel like he's put himself in a position to be very hard to be ignored uh, when it comes to consideration to that, be it the Olympics, World Cup, World Championships, whatever international competition for Canada we're talking about. Right. Because we are at a bit of crossroads when it comes to goaltending. Yeah, we are. And, I, you know, it's. I'm glad you rose that point because it is an interesting topic right now because we've, you know, we're, we're 33 and 32, right? So for the last... 31 still. Or you're 31 still? Oh, that's right. Okay, so for the last, like, decade, okay, we've had all of these top-notch goaltenders that have kind of... Well, you no, know, if the you best goalies in the league. Yeah. Brodeur, uh, Patrick Waugh, fucking... Longo, right? Like it's it's been a no question, no brainer. Right? Yeah, you might look at the power rankings and see this name move down two spots and this name move up two spots. But generally speaking, the names were the names. Those were all the best goalies in the NHL. And now, as you look across the NHL, not only are we seeing some passings of the torches, but we're also seeing a lot more. What am I like? A lot more willingness from the NHL and their teams to have a 1A and a 1B right. kind of situation. Tandem scenarios. Tandem scenarios, which makes it even a more difficult. Management. Yeah, it makes it more difficult to to vote on awards or select who you think should be your goaltender for the Olympics because mm. are you going to go to the Olympics and go one game, one game off? Probably not. Like maybe in the prelims, but not when we get to the to the qualification and the medal rounds. Right. You're going with your guy. So do you want more of a, a guy who's been a guy his whole career, like a Price or a Flurry, Or do you want to look at someone who's kind of emerging and spending some time splitting starts, like a Carter Hart, for example? I know he got had injuries this year, but you know, he lately he's starting to have a little bit more of the reins in Philly. I think they've used him eight out of the last 10 times or something, which makes me, the fantasy owner, very happy. Because for the longest time, let's go, it was Hart Elliott. Hart Elliott. And I'm like, fuck! Like, every time it was Hart, I also had my other goalies playing. And then every time it was Elliott, I had no one playing. So it's like, man, I wish they would just reverse it and, and, and give me a fucking hand here. But it looks like he's running with the, the torch now, and I think that's a good thing. And, and I do think that we're only a couple years away, let's go, from some of these guys, the younger guys out there, uh, the Hearts and the Samsonovs, like like you mentioned. I think we're about to see those guys really you know, burst through and, and start. The next and start, evolution of goaltenders. Yeah, move on. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's interesting because you know, Carter Hart's a bit of an exception to the rule because a lot of times, and we mentioned this before, that goaltenders don't really develop till that 23, 24, 25 age. Uh, Carter Hart kind of thrust in the situation, made the best of it, and it has not seemed to have uh, interrupted his development curve whatsoever. Well, because back when Ron Hextall was fired, we, we didn't break the news on the Pucks and Deep podcast, but we talked about it several days later when we recorded our episode. Ron Hextall was fired. And I remember asking you if his failure to call up Carter Hart cost him his job. Because when they called Carter Hart up, they went Everything on a, changed. Yeah, everything, everything changed. changed. And you got to wonder if, you know, I don't know. They Remember when we, I can't, I'm, I don't, I don't want to put you on the spot, but... Wasn't there some, there were some questions around the firing of Ron Hextall. People were saying that the, the management wanted him to make more changes and Ron Hextall was not willing to make any more changes. He wanted to stay the course. Right. He believed that staying the course was the best course of action and staying the course would have meant waiting until next year to bring Carter Hart up. But they said, no, you're fired. We're bringing in someone else and we're going to call Carter Hart up right now. And that led me to ask you across the bar back in the day. If he called up Carter Hart, do you think he would have saved his job? 
Same question. And he may have. Be, and if, if it, it may turned have. out in the same way in that the team responded as such and they, they, he and might they won still some be there. games and he did well. Yeah, absolutely. Because given the roster on that Philadelphia Flyers team, they shelled out a bunch of money for JVR. I mean, their time... Their time is now. They can't afford to miss the playoffs with this kind of payroll, right? Like it's you. You have to be competitive, and and there's that there's that expectation of uh, excellence among uh, a team that you could call a, a huge part, a huge fabric, part of the fabric of the NHL. Yes, in the Philadelphia Flyers. Oh yeah, they are a staple. Like they're not an original six, but I would put them right next to the yeah. original six. I mean, though. they're in a tough spot because they're in the Metro, right? You got to deal with Pittsburgh and Phil- and Washington, but I mean. Y- you want to make the most of the Drew years while you have them, right? I still just think that coming back to my whole playoff thing and me wanting Philly in the playoffs because of their crowd and their horn and just what they bring to the game from a, an entertainment perspective. But like, if there's a team that can fucking upset the Pittsburghs and the Washingtons, I, I think I might put all my eggs in the Philadelphia Flyers basket. Yeah, good old blue collar team. Yeah, just find a way to grind it out. And yeah, get it done. Yeah, it's it's you know that's why I love about playoffs, right? Anything can happen. I mean, even the year that Philadelphia did manage to knock off the Pittsburgh Penguins and go deep, it's not as if they were more talented than the Penguins that that year. It just felt like they outworked them, right? Yeah, I agree. Um, all right, my man, let, let's let, let's move on to Leafs here. We're yeah, an, we got to hammer some Leafs out. We're an hour thirty deep, and it's already quarter to eight. Okay, and we got so, hockey tonight. We did spend a lot of time on the Maple Leafs last episode. Obviously, we're last, fired up. Last two or three, there was a lot to talk about, so we did kind of push them to the back burner. So, if you guys have stuck with us throughout the show uh, to get to this point, what a redemption week for the Maple Leafs! I mean, we couldn't ask for any better. They rattle off a series of wins. Uh, they shut everybody up. The you know the pundits, the journalists, uh, everybody who is saying this fucking roster needs to be pulled apart, Rock and fire everybody, all that people, the bagheads of the world have have gotten a good old dose of shut the fuck up. Yeah, which uh, is nice. And I, I I mean talk about responding the right way to adversity, and this is what we wanted to see from this team because it was a huge question: is how does this team deal with adversary, adversity? And they have shown us in the best way possible that, I mean, as of right now, isolated example, and it's only been a week, but this is looking like a bit of a turning point for them of the season. I think so. I mean, I I don't think it's necessarily fair to just single out the loss to the Zamboni driver and say that that's what changed it for them or that's what fired them up. But yes, it absolutely is. If you're looking for a kick in the ass wake up call, that's that that could do it, right? Yeah, it's a contributing factor. Absolutely. But you know what else could be a contributing factor? Let's go going through the California trip and coming out fucking fucked, you know? And we just saw Pittsburgh go through the California swing and come out fucked yeah, and for they, three. And that's, I'm not saying we're going to do that. I'm just saying it's not it's not sunshine and rainbows just yet. We've correct. had a great response, but it needs to keep going. Yes. We can't just fucking sit on this and be like, oh, here we go into California. We can head out there and, you know, bang on some bitches and drink some pints. No, man, get to work. Yeah, it's Win a tough one games. too because so they won the uh, the Florida trip, uh, both games regulation, first time they've done that since 2016. An excellent way to respond, but that's a tough trip and they're on to an even tougher one. I mean, they're out in California. Yeah, I know those teams aren't what they used to be. That's not the Death Valley as it once was called, 
but, no, but it's still we're talking gru- about a trap situation now. We're talking about three trap games, basically. It's a grueling trip. Yeah. And, and let's be honest, LA is on a bit of a heater right now. They are. They are surprising some teams. You know, you probably got some teams walking in there, sleepy-eyed, maybe went out, went out the night before in LA, living it up, trying to enjoy themselves, brought the golf shoes. I'm glad you asked that. I had an interesting question asked of me uh, by a buddy in one of my chat groups, Morty. Shout out to Morty right now. He lo- He loves listening. He asked me, you know, if I had any insight or knowledge as to when the teams would would fly in. Like, when does the team get to San Jose? Did they get there yesterday? Do they get to spend? Do they get to spend today out on the pier? They were there yesterday. Out at the bit, uh, out at the beaches, out on the golf course. And my response to him was, I'm not sure about like you know when they fly in and stuff. But as far as activities and them being able to have time off and go enjoy themselves. I said, knowing the way that Sheldon runs his teams, and when I say that I know, we're 10 years removed from the last time I saw yeah, him run the team. about junior hockey. Yeah, here. so it could obviously be different. But what I'm saying, though, Lesko, is he runs the tight ship, meaning you can go have fun when you earn it. And when you don't earn it, you don't get to have any fucking fun. Right. Hockey is not fun for you right now. And I now. feel like they have not earned it. They have not. So the, the response this week is great and all. But I thought that was an interesting question by my bud yeah. to ask me because I said, you know, I think it's a coach's decision, and I'd like to, I'd like to believe that yes, they were out there a day early. They might have the afternoon, but I don't think, I don't think that they're. Well, I shouldn't say that they're not allowed because they're grown men that can do whatever yeah, they want. Yeah, they're grown-ass men. They're going to do what they want but, when push comes to shove. But I don't think they're necessarily being given the green light by Sheldon no. to go out to the clubs and the rips tonight. No, I don't think he's saying, yeah, boys, you fucking you, you won three in a row, so go fucking crazy. I don't think it's anything like that. No, and we saw what happened in Florida, Lesko, because it was widely reported that the Leafs were there a day and a half early and got into all kinds of shit and had a great fucking time. And then laid a goddamn egg in Florida. Oh, we're talking about the fishing trip all those years yes. ago? Yeah. No, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Just earlier this year. And that was when Sheldon went off on them. Right, right. Called them immature. Yeah, when they got dummied by Florida. He didn't yeah. say that they went out, but it was it was it was it was um speculated and all but confirmed. It made it sound like sec- hockey was secondary on yes. that trip, right? So right. on this fucking trip out in California, we're talking about a different time zone. There's been tough travel involved to get out there. It needs to be all business. Well, this trip needs to be all business. I guess we don't have to worry about uh, Matthews and Marner because they spent last night at the Marlowe household. So Good. I'm sure Drinking they were... some uh, vino. Yeah, they're probably taking it pretty easy there. But bro, think about it. If we can come so out of this trip... So maybe the roughest thing they did was mini play sticks? mini sticks with the Marlowe kids. <laughs> but nice. But really at the end of the day, let's go. I mean, if we can come out of this trip with, with five... Five out of six, you know, two wins and an overtime loss or a shootout loss or something. If we can come out of this with five out of six points, man, like we could almost guarantee our spot in the playoffs. Yeah, you go two and one, I'd say that's that's minimum expectation here right now. That's all they can afford to do. And and that's not taking into consideration how any of these teams are playing. That's just what they need to do to maintain this momentum that they've built up over the past week. Uh, most interestingly, of course, out there is uh, Jack Campbell is going to be starting two of those games, I believe uh, LA and San Jose. So a uh, big opportunity for him who has uh, kind of um, taken a bit of backseat while they've tried to get Anderson back on track. Is that uh, a tough one for Freddie though, having to play the second half of a back-to-back 
while on the road out in a different time zone. I think if you're Freddie, you're the starter and there is, it doesn't matter. It's not as if you're shoving Hutchison in the second of back to back on the West coast trip. This is Freddie Anderson. We're talking about here. Yeah, fair. So there's an expectation for him to, to play a certain way. And I know we haven't been necessarily happy with him, but we're working on that guy finding his game. And I think this is a good challenge for him to, to continue to, you know, work on his game and show that he is indeed the number one guy and snuff out any, you know, fan generated fucking controversies. Right. Good. And it is, I mean, I don't want to say that any NHL team is a safe bet, but I mean, Anaheim doesn't score a whole lot. They don't generate a whole lot of shots on goal and zone time. Um, So I think even with some tired legs, I believe that that, you know, those two points are there for the taking, even though we're, we will be on the second half of a back-to-back. Yeah. So it's going to be really exciting. And, uh, you know, hopefully we're still in this kind of positive headspace going into next week. Uh, it's been a quite the emotional roller coaster, of course, being the diehard Maple Leaf fans we are. I did want to take it down to the junior ranks for a moment uh, to give a shout out to uh, Leafs second round draft pick, Nick Robertson. He scored a hat trick versus Barry to hit 50 Genos. Cody Jacobs is going to be loving you, my friend. Oh, absolutely. And his, he Boy. did it in only 43 games. He's the first Peterborough Pete to hit the milestone since 92-93, and they are also the oldest active franchise in the OHL, which I did not know. I did not know that either. Yeah. So he, um, you know, he's looking like a bit of a, a bit of a home run or a potential home run, I should say, for the Maple Leafs, getting that guy in the second round. Uh, huge offensive talent, and and you know, when I watched the World Juniors, he stood out for me the most. I would say uh, on Team USA. Yeah, I mean, between him and Justin Brazo, I think the Leafs have a couple of nice chips. Now, I say that lightly because I don't necessarily mean that we're going to trade him or whatever. But, I mean, is it kind of fair, Lesko, to assume that at this point in time, I don't want to say that we're going to trade Robertson and or Brazo, but, like, we don't know what they're going to be quite yet. No, not at all. And, I mean, you... When you're a team that's trying to compete now, too, especially, which I imagine is the headspace the Leap Leafs are going to be in for the next couple of seasons, you, you're more likely to trade your prospects. The only reason why I see a guy like Robertson sticking around is that you know, he has made it known that his goal is to make the Maple Leafs next year. And they are a little bit thinner at left wing than right wing, of course. So there might be a little more opportunity for a guy like him to potentially carve out his space. Yeah, that's a great point, too, because you can throw him in on a top six L2. Right. I mean, you got I have to imagine that you're going to continue to use Hyman uh, next to Matthews on the left wing. But I mean, you can throw him in on left wing at, you know, line two. Um, I don't know who you bump off. I don't know. It's going it, to it becomes a real log jam up yeah, there. Absolutely. And this guy is going to be a goal scorer. It's not like yeah. he's a big body guy that goes in the corner and provides something that the Leafs desperately need. Mm-hmm. He's providing more of what we already have. We already have. Yeah. His yeah offensive which punch. is why I talk, which is why I talk about him a little bit more as a chip as a chip than yeah. I do as a prospect. And, and it wouldn't surprise me. And, and that's just uh, a transition of where the, the Leafs are at as an organization currently is that you're looking more at addressing needs than graduating guys. And especially ones who have the similar skill set. The one thing I will kind of say on Nick Robertson is that if I have to hear one more fucking commentator on the radio say that, Oh, well this guy's a five foot nine and only 165 pounds uh, as a knock on him. Okay. We're talking about a winger in the NHL in 2020 here. This is not 87. This is not 77. And this is not 2000. Okay. Okay. Let's let's cut the shit here, okay? 
these are the same fucking guys who are saying that Mitch Marner might not be an NHL forward after he scored 140 points in the OHL and won every award under the sun. We're like, well, you know, he's only five, uh, 5'10 and uh, 170, so I don't know if uh, he'll be an NHL player. Like a classic uh, Nick Kiprios circa 2015 or 14, whatever it was, when he said, I don't believe that this player will be a difference maker for the Toronto Maple Leafs ever. Okay, yeah. Nick. I, I just just because he's a little guy. Just cut the shit. Like I and I understand this is the way the NHL has been forever and ever. But let's cut the shit. I mean, this is not a deciding factor. Are you at an advantage if you're a bigger guy in the NHL? Yeah, of course. You can win puck battles easier. You can lean into guys. You can yeah, deal but with are the you physicality. As fast? Are you but as the, fast? But the league is not as physical as it once was. No. You don't have to fucking be able to body guys to survive out there anymore. So I just, I get really annoyed when I hear those takes. And obviously that was of zero concern to Kyle Dubas when he drafted him. Well, you're a little guy yourself. I mean, it, get, it hits home for you a little bit, eh? A little bit, you know, and because I dealt with that controversy, you know, being smallest guy on my team's growing up and then that situation and i you know i offset that by being the craziest fucker on the ice and, and hitting, one of the hardest workers and hitting everybody in sight yes right but when i came up it was it was different i mean you had to be six feet to you know to to make junior or triple a even unless you were an outstanding talent i mean that right. was almost a prerequisite yeah we're not there anymore i mean you go out and watch tier two junior a junior b or triple a there aren't a lot of guys over six feet out no, there i know where all- it's like some dummy who could barely skate over six feet was was you know held in higher regard than the guy who was five foot eight who could snipe thirty goals for you. Let me tell you how it goes nowadays: skating, hands, vision, and if you're lucky, it's a bonus if you got some size to go with those. Great, things, right? But then you probably Whereas, don't have the skating. Yeah, and I feel like at 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 a different time, like I say, when we were coming up in hockey, it was it was more about. Does this? Oh, that guy's big. What? What else has he got? What else has he got? You know yeah. what I mean? Oh, no, that he, guy's really good, but he's too small. And that was it. End of conversation. Yeah, right? you're right. And I feel like that mentality still carries over in the NHL to some degree, but it is changing. We are seeing that go. I mean, look where Alex DeBrinket got drafted. How many goals did he score? Forty-one yeah. last year. That's now right. he only has fifteen this year, but it's still. You <laughs> realize still, how small he is. It still reinforces my point. <laughs> All right, man. I'm with you. I, I I am totally with you on that. Let's go play some hockey. Yeah, we got to get the fuck out of here, man. It's five to eight. Um, we really didn't spend a whole lot of time on our boys in blue. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about? You know, you I saw that you had a note in the in the prep here about Zach Hyman. You know, I'm always ready oh, man. to talk about we, Zach Hyman. We do have to give a little fucking note on Zach Hyman just because the guy has been absolutely incredible. I mean, I feel like we haven't gone off on him lately just because we're always talking about Zach Hyman, but... Pretty sure he's like a point per game player right now, and I really enjoyed Matthew's comments uh, after the Saturday <laughs> game that he is the Sidney Crosby of six on five. Because I would actually like to see, maybe we'll look this up for next show, but who leads the NHL in empty netters over the last, I say, four years since he's been in the league? Oh, it, it's Ovechkin. He's got to be there or up there. It's definitely Ovechkin. I'll say Ovechkin number one, and then I'm with you. I think probably Zach Hyman might uh, factor in at number two because. You know, the thing is, is a lot of people will just automatically use the empty netters against the player. Oh, yeah, well, he's got this many points, but all he does is score empty netters. Like, well, why is that a bad thing? Like, okay, fine, you scored, you know, without a goalie. But we're we're not talking about you scoring a goal. We're talking about you being out there to protect your one or two goal lead. 
Okay, the only reason why there's an empty net is because the team who pulled the goalie is trying to, to fucking tie the game. And you're a guy out there on the ice, trusted by your coach, to get the job done. And what is the best way to get the job done, Lesko? Put a fucking puck into the empty net. So I don't understand what all the problem is. Oh, he only scores a whole bunch of empty net goals. Why in the world? How in the world? I can't wrap my mind around the fact that you would use that as a negative impact on the player. Yeah, exactly what you said. I'm going to echo that. Is that if you're on the ice in that situation, that just goes to show what kind of player you are. You're that your there. coach trusts you in that situation, and you're the guy who's going to lay himself on the line to get it done for the boys. And guess what comes with it? The spoils. The spoils are easy little tapping empty yeah. netters, right? Apples, you know, you, you pass it up to someone and they fire it into the empty net. Yeah, you, you're you're out there. It's you're not out there for points. Yeah. I don't I don't and I and I think Zach Heineman is a perfect example of a guy that you can't use that as a knock or to take away from his stats. Well, he has five empty netters. Yeah, but there's a reason why he's got five empty netters, is because he's probably the best two-way forward on the Maple Leafs. And I don't know... And, what, I, and I say that with 100% sincerity. Yeah, absolutely. And I agree with you. I, I echo those sentiments perfectly. And I, I don't know... You know, I'm sure there's lots of examples, but I don't know how many teams across the league are going to feature their their first-line left winger on every penalty kill and on every empty net scenario. And one thing I did want to point out on Hyman is he's shooting like something ridiculous. Like 21, 20, yeah, 20 some percent. Whereas we always, our knock on him was call him cement hands. No finish yeah, Hyman, right? Yeah. And yet here he is scoring on the, on uh, his chance, you know, almost a quarter of his shots right now. And he's also kind of shown that he's developed a bit of uh, skill with the puck. And then that, you know, could be gr- given credit to the, uh, the way the Maple Leafs have developed him and with their uh, special attention to skills coaches and, and the like under um, Keith. Because if you were watching that game on Saturday, I saw him splitting defensemen. I saw him carrying the puck and making stuff out of nothing from behind the purely, net, purely with his hands. Yeah, from behind you know? the net, he not had a just a, nice a gritty dig it out of the corner Zach Hyman type play, but making these remarkable plays where you're like, you do a double take. You're like, is that is that Marner or is that Hyman? The one where he tagged up at the blue line, he tagged up perfectly. The pass came, and he, then he split he the took deep. off. Yeah, split the deep. It was unreal. I it was, was like, unreal. holy crap, man. I mean, we got to extend this guy. Yeah, I mean, oh, absolutely, and and it's it's already become a bit of a topic of discussion in the uh, Toronto media circles. He became around, expensive. Do we, uh, yeah, is he getting really <laughs> expensive here? Oops. But uh, if there is a guy that's going to take that hometown discount and that really likes being a Maple Leaf, I gotta think it's him. I agree that he's he just seems like one of those selfless guys, and also uh, something to keep in mind, perhaps, is that. Ever since his rookie year, this guy has been starting multiple businesses. So he, uh, I believe he writes children's books. He has his own esports gaming league. So this guy has his hand in a lot of pots and a lot of different revenue streams. So it's not like he's trying to max out the Maple Leafs for all they're worth. That's exactly where I was going to go with that. I was going to say, I don't think he he's a businessman. Need, yeah, I don't think he needs the extra 750000 because he's getting it other where he's getting yeah. it elsewhere. And he also comes from a family with money, which we have documented on this show before. So right. uh, hopefully he's not going to take us out to the woodshed like some other high-scoring, flashy wingers on the team. <clears throat> All right. All right. Eight o'clock. Let's get the fuck out of yeah, here. Yeah, we got to go. I got to do my fucking core stretches and my groin stretches and yes. get myself ready for playing stretch my neck. Yeah, you made it through last week, eh? Yeah, I know. I like, man, it's it sucks. Like, I'm not even, I'm not even good anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, 
I guess that's what happens when you don't play like in a league for three or four years and you yeah. just you play the odd tourney, pick up ODR and stuff. But it's like at, at some points I get off the ice. I'm like, man, what the? F-? Like just no hands, the, no hands, and not that I ever did, but like passing, like just garbage. So little things irk me about my own game, you know. And it's like, it's like at this point too, it, hard, hard work won't save me, no. especially not in pickup. Yes. because you can't try that hard, or you look like a dick. So you have no hands, can't make a pass, and you're trying so fucking hard, no one likes you at all. Exactly. It's I can't so hit anybody, and I can't try too hard. So basically, I'm out of options here. All right, well, if you're shooting on me tonight, maybe I'll let you slip one in under the arm. Oh, yeah, I don't think I got one on you last week. Over the glove or I'll be, something. I'll be ripping on my Jesus, if you didn't get one on me last week, you must have been fucking horrible. Because everyone got one on me last Yeah, week. you settled down. Early on, you got beat a few times, yeah. and you settled in, actually. You made some nice ones I made that on. nice diver save. Yeah, and yeah. then they scored right after that. There's nothing worse than making a fucking $10, and then your defense can't clear the fucking rebound, and they score. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of defense there on Tuesday right. Night Shitty. Well, speaking of Tuesday Night Shitty, that's going to wrap it up here for episode 58 of the Pucks and D podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, at Coleman42, at Adam, and at PuckPod. And we'll see you again next week for episode 59. It's been a blast. Until then, go Leafs, go. We'll see about some late games. You staying up for the late games? Let's go. I guess tonight because I can't sleep after hockey. (laughs) All right. Cheers, my friend. We'll see you guys next week.